and welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast, the most insulting podcast in the business. I am joined by Tim Kinefic. I, I don't know if I can pronounce your last name. That is a uh, running theme I apparently I've got these days of Death on Fire. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, and you pronounced it fantastically. Oh, awesome. I actually interviewed uh, James from like Canthro a couple weeks ago. And apparently I was the first person to pronounce their band's name correctly. Nice. I mean, you didn't say my last name correctly, but it was close enough for oh. horseshoes. Well, you know what? Okay, now I feel bad. Uh, Most wow. people, it's it's Kenefic. I'm sorry, <laughs> you, you complimented me for being wrong. Yes, that's, uh, you know. No, that's not a thing. That's, that's, that. Did I just get a participation trophy? I feel like I just got a participation trophy. Yes, everybody gets a trophy. Sweet. I haven't gotten a trophy in like 30 years. That's awesome. Actually, longer than that. Anyway, moving on. So I always like to start off with where everybody's from, what they in, in that kind of thing. If memory serves, and it might not, you are from Fort Wayne. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Fort Wayne is my favorite city in Indiana, being as it is the only one I've been to on purpose. <laughs> nice yeah it was ranked uh the nicest place to live in indiana a while ago which i mean there's not a lot of competition for that i guess but uh that is i'm gonna look uh maybe it's because i'm midwestern you know st louis and all that kind of business and you know st louis has that highfalutin big city feel that we want to be so bad uh that's i'm gonna say it's damning with faint praise but one of the O'Fallon, Missouri, which is about 50, well, 40 miles west of where I'm sitting, was named yep. one of the top 20 places to live in the country. And I've been there. It, oh, God. It, I mean, it's not bad. The schools are good. There's no crime except for people overdosing on opioids that they get from their doctor. But good Lord, I don't like Applebee's nearly that much to live there. It sounds like, uh, sounds like Fort Wayne then. You know, we've... Uh... I think the biggest thing we got going for us that everyone knows about is Sweetwater Sound. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say the Fort Wayne Comets. I mean, if you're into if you're into minor league hockey, the Comets are fantastic. It's uh, why do you tradition. think they went to Fort Wayne? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I remember you telling me about that. that yeah, was it's, in uh, 2001, but I did it. Yep. My favorite part about that was we went to. My buddy and I went and it took six hours to get there. We saw bears just like walking up and down the side of the road in Indiana, which freaked us the hell out because that's not a thing here. Even when you get into the country, the bears stay away. I, I don't even know if we have bears. I assume we have bears. I mean, just forests, probably bears. We have mountain lions, so probably bears. But I mean, we saw like dead bears on the road. Yeah, I've never seen that. I mean, we got a lot of deer. Uh, there's a bit of a coyote problem out by where I live now here on the lane, <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, it's nice because it's just big enough that you can get into trouble if you want to, but it's still small enough to feel like a small town. So that's well, where big, I grew up. How big is the Metro there? Oh, like roughly a quarter of a million people, I believe. Okay. So your Metro is about, is almost the size of St. Louis city proper because we're about 300 now but our metro is 3 million so it's i I think that's a good size i I can but i mean it's also what i've i mean i've lived here 
in some facet my entire life, except for that summer I spent in rural Missouri, which I don't, I don't, I don't recommend that. Don't, don't. Do oh, that. is it? Don't worry. No, I mean, I don't know how they do it. I mean, in the people that live there, like the, the place I lived at was what we would call ex-urban Rala now. And Rala's claim to fame is it has a college. Nice. So we were 40 miles outside of a college town. I mean, and that was town. Yeah, don't don't recommend. Um, but when I went when I went to Fort Wayne, and I probably told you the story last time because I don't have many occasions to tell this story, but we stopped at Long John Silvers because I love Long John Silvers. And next to the Long John Silvers was a Hooters. And next mm-hmm. to the Hooters was Showgirls 3. Yep. And next to Showgirls 3 was the War Memorial Coliseum where the Comets played. And I thought, wow, that is the greatest marketing scheme I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, only one of those businesses is still in operation, sadly. I'm going to guess Showgirls 3. Yes. Yeah. We are the only town that had a Hooters and a Tilted Kilt go out of business. That's amazing. I mean, the food is terrible, but nobody goes there for the food. Let's call it thing what it is. But realistically speaking, I don't know how a Hooters could compete with a strip club and a Long John Silver's at the same time. Because if you're hungry, you go to the Long John Silver's, you're in and out in 15 minutes. You're just, I mean, you're, because you're trying to get to Showgirls 3 and you're just jamming the, the, the fish and the chicken down your gullet to get over there to, to buy the $8, well, I guess then $8 beers. That was 2001. It's probably like $12 now, but. Nah, it's like eight bucks. Okay, fair enough. I, I don't understand how Hooters could stay in business. I mean, unless that's where you know, uh, Jan from uh, Winnipeg is taking his parents when they're in town because instead of Showgirls 3 going out, you know, because, you know, not going with Dimitri and Dimitri and Gordy because, you know, their their parents are, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea how that could stay in business, but I just thought it was like a progressively more Canadian thing. And that was around the same time, I think there was the, the big ad campaign where they showed hockey players shaving and yeah. the last scene of the commercial was them in a strip club nice <laughs> so tell me what death on fire has going on these days yeah so uh we recorded a ep um we actually recorded all of the songs at the same time uh, we were recording an album so we wrote a whole bunch of songs and had a uh, a really good opportunity uh to keep some of them that we liked that didn't necessarily fit our album concept, but were still really good songs. Uh, so we put those together for a, an EP called Six Foot Box. Uh, it's three tracks that comes out July 16th. We're self-releasing it right now. It's digital only. Uh, you can get it on pre-sale and camp and it'll be up streaming everywhere on the 16th. I think the pre-sales like a dollar fifty or two bucks or something like that. So but yeah, it's uh, about 15 minutes worth of music, uh, three very distinct different tracks that kind of feature everything that we do. And the common theme is just kind of what we experienced going through the pandemic with some of the isolation and the, uh, the introspective thought process we had around that. The one thing I never want to talk about, but we always do on these things, is the pandemic check-in. Because we're all, yep. I, I don't know about you, but I'm vaccinated and... I have actually been out of the house with my wife four times in the past month. And we actually went out last night and 
she's looked at me and she said, are you going to wear your mask? I'm like, uh, no, I think I'm leaving it in the car today. And she's like, yeah, well, I mean, this, we, they said trust that we trust the scientists to get the shot. So they say it's okay. So let's do this. So I might die. This might be the last one. Well, hopefully not. I mean, I'm it's, hoping, uh, you know, I mean, but I'm just saying there, there's a legitimate chance. Yeah. We're here in, in Indiana. We're like, you know, hundreds of miles in one mindset removed from Florida people. So speaking of know. that, I, I can mention this because when this publishes, it'll be over. Uh, guess who's going to Florida on Friday? I have no idea. Me. Nice. Oh yeah. So not scared at all. Yep. Well, and that's the thing, you know, like we, we had our upticks and everything, but um, businesses did a really good job of, of, of enforcing and making sure people were safe. I got vaccinated. Everyone in our band is vaccinated. Uh, I still wear my mask out in public just because I know people don't know whether or not I've been vaccinated. So I don't know if it's just like this peace of mind. Thing. Um, it depends upon where I'm going. Yeah. You know, like today I had to stop at the grocery store because... Uh, I'll tell the story because it's horribly awkward. We ran out of toilet paper. I had to get gas station toilet paper. You know what you should never do? Buy gas station toilet paper because they don't have the best selection. So I had to stop and get more toilet paper. So yeah, I wore my, I wore my mask going into the grocery store. I'm vaccinated. I can't pass it. I actually decided today that I'm going to stop Excuse me, I'm going to stop showering at night. I'm going to start showering in the morning again because, you know, if I trusted them to to give me this experimental vaccine, I got to trust that it works. Yep. I mean, my microchip's working just fine. So mine does uh, not you know, get very good reception. Hope it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and we're, I mean, we're just excited that it means that everything's opening up again. You know, we're able to get some some shows back on the books, do some some outdoor stuff, and then hopefully later this year. Uh, as the local scenes respectively for every area have kind of hit that saturation point. If you've seen your friend's favorite band five times, because they're all playing the local scene again, you know, at the back half of the year, as long as everything still goes smoothly, we're going to plot out a little bit of a, a DIY tour and see what we can accomplish with that. So I don't know if you're aware, but I am. It only takes six hours to get to St. Louis. I am aware, but I also am aware that uh, St. Louis is not allowing any non-local bands at the moment. So that is uh, something. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, so we, we we have a really good friend that runs uh, a publication, Death by Metal, and we talk with him quite a bit. And he helps us on some shows here, and there's name's Tim McFarlane. And he was letting us know, like, hey, you know, St. Louis is still... The, the, the scene is, you know, everyone's being cautious and careful in their own way still. So we're respectful of that. And it's just one of those things where we reach well, out to everybody. We had Gilby Clark play here um, three weeks ago. Yeah, we're, we're not uh, of that level, apparently. So he, he was talking to a couple of the local um, metal bars and, and locations, and it's they are really wanting to have locals only. And, and I get it, right? You're, you're you've been out of business essentially for a year almost, and you need to have shows that you know are going to sell out and you don't want to oh, have. Oh, so it's not, it's not a, it's not a COVID thing as much as it is a cover my own ass thing. 
Yeah, because if, if, if I'm coming to town, I'm going to say, hey, I've got gas. I've got, you know, I have the, co- the cost of a hotel because most people don't want to let a stranger in their house during a pandemic. Uh, so crashing up people's floors is a little less likely. Um, so, you know, without having to pay a guarantee to local bands and you can do some door splits and things like that. Like, I get it. I don't fault them for it. But at yeah, a certain point, makes sense. get tired of watching locals and, and you know, there's going to be an opportunity for us to, to go down and hopefully – have a good time in fairness though uh gilby clark did not play one of the local metal bars he actually played a place that in the 50s was high high class it's it's not anymore but it used to be the casaloma <laughs> ballroom i believe okay. they have midget wrestling there once in a while oh, i'm sorry little people wrestling i don't know what the term is anymore yeah it sounds a lot like the emerson down in indy uh, but that's fun that's a fun spot to play so the only time i've ever been there was i went there for a trivia night once and I thought, wow, this place would be really fun for wrestling because it has a yep. mezzanine. It's like uh, my old high school gym, but like covered, okay. in vel- but covered in velvet and red plastic. So it's that is a, a perfect wrestling spot. You know, and I, I don't really talk about this much because I've, I've, I've gotten older. But, you know, when I was little and to a point, I still love wrestling, but I don't love what wrestling is today. Yeah, it's I, I grew up like sneaking downstairs to watch it right like my folks were like you can't watch wrestling so i'd sneak downstairs and watch ultimate warrior and macho man Hulk Hogan, and you know the the road oh, warriors oh, oh see we're, we're on different pages here when you say ultimate warrior i think no that sucked i liked it when he was the dingo warrior in texas yeah so i'm i'm like a, a little bit beyond that and then so i was big into like legion of doom and, and, and all that stuff. See, you and say it, legion of doom and I go, no, Legion of Doom sucked. They have plastic spikes on their stuff. I liked it better when they were the Road Warriors in NWA and actually went into the ring wearing metal spikes that were totally fucking metal. Like, oh, yeah. Road Warriors, yeah. Well, and that's that, you know, that's kind of the thing is, is it got back to some of that with like The Undertaker and when Mick Foley came around. See, you say Undertaker, and I'll go, no, I liked him better when he was Mean Mark in the NWA. And then you say yeah. Mick Foley. Nope, I liked him better as Cactus Jack in the UWF. Oh yeah, yeah. So I there's can, actually apparently I can do this all day. <laughs> yeah, guy. Uh, so I had a grindcore project that um, Horror Pain Gore Death helped me release. Uh, it was kind of this like satire thing, but anyway, Horror Pain Gore Death. This dude is like hardcore into the wrestling and like the the crazy Japanese stuff where they throw you on barbed wire. And, you yeah, know. I've watched that, and I am scared of it. And I love Japanese things. I mean, I don't know if uh, here's my tattoo. It's Japanese. I mean, I, yep. I I have been into Japan since before I knew that was even a thing. But I've watched FMW wrestling and go, holy hell! Man. Oh yeah, yeah. If you ever want to nerd out and have a really fun conversation on wrestling, hit up uh, Mike Giuliano uh, for from Horror Pain or Death. He's he's balls deep in that stuff. <laughs> But yes, I, I, I mean, I grew up watch, and actually, a big part of why I love, actually, the only reason why I love Black Sabbath is because of the Road Warriors. When they were in NWA, Iron Man was their their intro song, and I'm like, wow, what is this? And my buddy's like, um, that's Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne's old band. And this is 1985, 1986, and I'm like, yep. wait a minute, Ozzy Osbourne had an old band? Because you know, at that point in time, if you're nine, you're nine or ten. How do you know? exactly yeah the 80s i mean there was i was just lucky to be able to see wrestling on the weekends yep 
but it's what it became. And, you know, I make fun of the WWF and now E because it was always too goofy. And that was actually when I checked out of NWA because NWA started getting goofy. I remember Kevin Sullivan running through the forest, talking to a glowing green head that looked like Jombie from, from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yep. Screaming, help me, master, help me, master, in his wrestling gear. And I don't know if you remember Kevin Sullivan's wrestling gear, but it was just like a Speedo in knee pads and boots. And that was when I'm like, you know what? I, I just aged out of this. I was 12. That, that was yeah. when I aged out. And now, <laughs> it's like every time I've tried to get back into it since then, like I remember in the late 90s, early aughts, I forget what, watching like WrestleMania and going, holy hell, they're talking more than they're wrestling at WrestleMania. Yeah. And that, that's always been the way it was for, for what I'd watch. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's soap opera guys. It really is, but I'm okay with it. I, I would rather, I, I don't like that they broke kayfabe that, you know, I remember, you know, growing up in Jerry Lawler screaming at Andy Kaufman, this is a very serious sport to me. I mean, he didn't say it that convincingly because it was the early 80s. Yeah. And he hadn't learned how to talk yet, but he said it. It just came out like nobody believed him. And the idea of calling it sports entertainment and stuff, it's like, come on, lie to me. You know, when I watch a television show, they don't tell me it's a television show. Don't break fourth wall. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's my opinion. So when's the last time you went to a Fort Wayne Comets game? I just, I, I don't ever get to talk to anybody about this anymore. And. It's been forever. It I mean, obviously prob- not the last year. No, nah, it was probably well. They still had fans able to go in. I think uh, socially distanced for for some of their games. Um, it's probably got to be almost twenty years. So when I so when I went there, we might have been at the same yeah. game. I went yeah, to the last, I mean, I went to the last regular season game of the the. Oh, 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 one season. Well, and, and the thing for the Comets is like it's it's minor league hockey. They always played like the same handful of people. They've outlasted majority of the leagues that they've been in, and they just jump to the next adjacent leagues. They have all these championships from defunct leagues. Um, and, and when I was younger, you just you watched it because there was a lot of fighting, and there was a guy named Steve Fletcher, right? So he was. I don't know. Not him. talk to me. He wasn't the greatest player. Uh, he made it to the NHL, though, just based on the fact that he was mean. So he wasn't allowed to go down to Indianapolis to play against, at, at the time, was the Indianapolis Ice. He was banned from their arena. So it was just, you know, like like perfect like minor league hockey stuff. It's like watching the movie Goon, right? That's Steve mm-hmm. Fletcher. ate a little. Um, so it was now, perfect. If, if you want to hear what – no, there actually is a guy – that was that that's not the guy that's based off of because that was based off an actual guy but there is yep. a guy that did that lived that life his name is uh chris i'm sorry curtis curtis swanson he was a bouncer in quebec i think and they turned him into a goon in the lnah so he couldn't skate really worth a damn so he would go in in that league they would have eight to nine fights a game every game the first minute would take an hour to play 
Yeah, I mean, that they, was like old. They, they dropped the puck. I mean, they, they were doing this in the, in the middle 2000s. And yep. the rule was you get two fights and you're kicked out. So every game he played in, his goal was just to get two fights. So he'd get kicked out, go sit in the stands and drink a beer. Nice. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was my comments. Hockey experience was, uh, you know, it's fun. It's really good for for like kids that want to go. I don't know the rules of hockey. I had to go to a Blackhawks game with my wife to figure that out. And then the NHL is boring because they don't fight. So I wish that I'm wasn't like, true. Or just because I want to see a car crash, not because I give a crap about NASCAR. You know, it's no, and I get it. And it the thing about fighting in hockey, and I am a long, long time hockey fan and uh, former Fort Wayne Comets hater because I had to because they were in our division back when we had a minor league team in St. Louis or actually way suburban, but you know, whatever, close enough. And that's why I went there. I, that was the only victory I ever saw our team on the road. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life in terms of hockey fandom road trips. Not that I've been on that many, probably about 15 total, but we were the normally in that league because it was so compact in the, there's the Eastern division and the Western at that time. And they were so compact. You would always have visiting fans. You know, you'd have upward, it'd be like a soccer game in England where you had an entire section of visiting fans, almost every game, even on weeknights. And, you know, cause people in Moline, Illinois don't have a whole lot to do. Oh, for sure. No, sorry, Moline, but I've been there. I've seen what you got. And so they'd come down to, you know, go to hockey games. That's why Moline was getting 8,500 people a game in a time when the average in minor league hockey period was 3,500 and Fort Wayne, because of their tradition has always had great attendance as well. But so it goes to the shootout, which I hate the shootout to begin with, but it was just me and my buddy. We were the only Missouri fans there. So that whenever they scored to win it, you know, you know, the, the whole place goes silent except me. And I'm loud when I get going. And I just never had felt so seen in my life when oh, yeah. it, was, it was it was sold out. So it was 9,500 people there. It was a big, big rink and, you know, always had great attendance. And just everybody was looking at me and I'm like, I should have been a little quieter on that one, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know what, though? Those are the fun moments when you're the only guy cheering because your team won and you just pissed in everyone's Cheerios. Like, that's okay. I've got another story like that if you want to hear it that involves Moline actually. So Moline, the Quad City Mallards, I'm sure you probably remember that name a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yep. Well, they were our big rival because when our team came into the league, one guy owned our team, Quad City, and Rockford. Okay. So because he owned these three teams, he could create fake rivalries with them. So our first, you know, our first uh, schedule had Quad City on the cover us playing quad city even though we had never played a game because again he owns them so he can do that yeah but so our goalie in oh four oh five the nhl lockout year our goalie goes to, to ends up going to quad city and i hated that guy because he was chubby and bad except mm-hmm. when he was really he was either chubby and awful or chubby and amazing it, it was no he, he no, never no. knew what you were getting but it was one of the two, but he was chubby as hell. I mean, like the kind of chubby where you're like, how are you playing anything not football? That, I mean, 
Well, the goalie is a fixed size. Like, I would think you would take the largest person you could find. Yeah, he was 5'7". 5'7", just... 250, not muscle. That's not a goalie size. No, no, goalies are muscle. He found a way. He, he made a really good career for himself in pro hockey. But anyway, so we would heckle him when we had him, too, because he would do these awful – anyway, so we would heckle – I mean, we heckled him when he was our goalie. But we always sat in our home rink right behind on the up on the first row upper deck right behind the goalie. So when we would scream down, they could hear us because we were screaming over our, our sound waves went over the plexiglass. So we're in Quad City and I am screaming the things I would scream at him when he was in our rink. And eventually they had to turn up the the, the sound system between plays. It kept getting progressively louder to drown me out that's fantastic and then we're and then we're leaving and i mean i got you know i got the the, the big bat swinging at this point thinking nothing's going to happen and i'm like screaming at everybody in the crowd thankfully nothing did because i don't know what would have happened had they gotten angry maybe if we had won they might have been angry but we, we lost so it was fine yeah wow it's still fun right i mean the art of trash talking it, it's it's a skill set that I never developed that well, but I can appreciate the people that can do it. It, it was fun. And, you know, the, the thing about hockey and, and minor league sports in general is it's just supposed to be fun. And, yeah, you know, this year, the Blues, you know, and I still follow the Blues because I followed the Blues for my whole damn life. And is the NHL as good as it once was? No. Uh, are the Blues one of the more entertaining teams in the NHL? Yes. But I think that's largely due to the fact that our coach is an enforcer. Yeah. I mean, our coach has 2000 penalty minutes in the NHL, not many of those guys to begin with. And we've got one as our coach, but so we, we, we've got a bit of a fighty team and a, and a very physical, far more physical team than, than most NHL squads. So it's, but you know, this year I knew even before all the injuries and the COVID protocol stuff that we got hit with before the series started, I, I told people at work, if the blues win this, it'll be a minor miracle just to get out of the first round, it'll be a minor miracle. And they got mm -hmm. just stomped, but you know, every day, man, had a good time. It's like, let's watch the game. It's look, let's look there. They're showing up. That's all that counts. That's all we got. So listen to the beastie boys and have a good time. And then we'll watch the murder. Exactly. And they <laughs> murdered them four times right in a row. Yeah. yeah that was a rough year. You know what? That's, that's what the way it is. We won the cup two years ago. So now, for some reason, playoff losses finally don't hurt. Yeah. I'll be 75. They may never win another series, and I won't care. I'll be like, yeah, you hey, remember like, in 2019, though? Yeah. Yeah. So, like all the, okay. all the uh, moving on a little bit, I wanted to talk to you about the Rusty Nail. Yeah. One of my favorite bands is out of Fort Wayne, Left Lane Cruiser. Love them. I don't imagine you've played many bills with them. I just don't see that working out. But you're with them. Say that again. I said I, I we've never played a show with them. Very, very stylistically different, but I am very familiar with Left Lane Cruiser. I saw them in a Mexican restaurant, sort of down here. It's a Mexican restaurant that's it's it's a German restaurant that got turned into a Mexican restaurant. I don't really know how that works. It's still got a German name. It's got a Mexican name, but it's a German place. I don't know. 
you can get Philly yeah. cheesesteak nachos. They, they, they played there where there's no stage. It was great. It was five bucks. It was quarter stag night. So we drank too much for some reason. Yeah, as you should when you're watching Left Lane Cruiser. Well, yeah, that too. And it, it was quarter beer night. So it's like, anybody want a beer? I got a fiver. You come back. Yeah. It was great. And it was really close. But they always play at the Rusty Nail. Have you ever played there? uh rusty nail in fort wayne yeah uh so there is no rusty nail oh there is the brass rail uh which they fit so the brass rail is a um it's a really good like punk and post-punk bar uh the owner does a good job of curating the the bands that he brings in uh it's probably that one it's very much kind of like it People go to that bar because they love that bar. Any band could play there. You'll always have a great night. Uh, it's a really cool bar. Um, and then there's a place called the Rusty Spur. But I think that has since gone out of business. It's definitely not Rusty Spur. I know it ended in ale. Yeah, so it's probably the... And that's that's like the longstanding iconic, you know, like... I mean, when I was in high school, it was a punk and ska bar. Okay. Uh, so that's... It graduated from that into kind of like that post-punk kind of like indie thing. It's it's just a really cool spot. Well, they always called themselves punk blues, so I could see where yeah, I could see where that would work out. But yeah, I, I, I've just always whenever they talked about when they were playing in Fort Wayne, that's where they're playing. Yeah, right yeah. But yeah, I would I mean, imagine that when you're playing in your hometown, you're always going to play the same place. So, well, so the the a lot of the bars from uh, when I was like getting to drinking age have all closed uh so right now you've got a handful of really cool spots so you've got like carl's tavern in new haven which is kind of the de facto metal bar um you have the ruin which uh, i actually booked at for a while it's a really good spot they do a little bit of everything uh for anyone that looks for all ages stuff the muse which is just down from the ruin like everything's on main street for the most part uh or like outside of those like four or five spots everything's owned by chuck surak so who is chuck surak he owns sweetwater sound so he started um he got into a renovation for a theater it's called the clyde so he has this really nice fully renovated it's probably like a 12 or 1800 cap room uh and then he did a bunch of offshoots like small restaurants and small club rooms adjacent to that uh the downside is that he doesn't play heavier genres of music very often. Wait, so Sweetwater Sound, like the the where you buy guitars? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, got he's got uh, a luxury car dealership, uh, uh, an airport, an airport. Yeah, he owns the airfield up north, and he does like flying lessons and helicopter tours. And it's funny because everything's sweet something. So he's got sweet aviation sweet cars sweet water it's yeah but you know that sounds about as that sounds that sounds as corny as uh daniel larusso motors from from cobra kai yeah oh yeah yeah but i mean he's he's doing really good he's he's done he's done a lot of good for helping grow jobs um i think he misses the mark for how you support local music just because that's not what he does, right? He sells audio equipment and instruments. Um, 
he wants to support local music. I just don't think he's quite figured out how to let it happen organically. Yeah, it you can't you you can't run a club based on genre. And yeah. no disrespect, I'm not trying to be mean, but I don't know that Fort Wayne is large enough to have all these segregated clubs of this is the metal club, this is the country club. It's oh, it's not. And 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 the thing that's crazy is like people don't know from the outside, but Fort Wayne per capita is like one of the best punk and hardcore towns in the Midwest. Like that's all anyone listened to. It's a blue collar working town. So, you know, like growing up, I mean, you got plenty of people that like hip hop and all the other stuff that's on the radio. But when you look at the, just the sheer number of punk and hardcore bands and, and like other uh, heavy genres that come out of Northern Indiana and specifically Northeast Indiana, like the ruin didn't want to feature heavy music when I started booking there, but they weren't booking a ton of shows. And then it just, it so happened that, you know, the, the heavier nights that they did, the better turnout they had. And because it used to be uh skeletons way back when. Um, so it's, it's just one of those things where it's always kind of been ingrained in the DNA of Fort Wayne, like, you know, heavy, heavy genres. It's what people listen to around here because you work hard. No, I totally get that. And uh, I, I know when I come home and I'm always ready to listen to, you know, always, I've always got, when I come home, I always put something on the record player and that's the way I live my life. Now I get home at a little after five. And the first thing I do is I come upstairs, I crack open a beer and I put something on the turntable. And of course, more often than not, it's something heavy today. Uh, it was Ozzy Osbourne tribute actually. Nice. Yeah, I got a really nice copy of that for 25 bucks a couple of years ago that I am still pinching myself that I actually acquired that finally. Considering awesome. nine, that time frame, it was there weren't many pressings, and this is an original pressing because it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff back then they only did one pressing of. Yeah. Because that's when cassettes were king, which I don't want to go back to that. I hope that never comes back. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I know, and I, I, and I don't get it. And I mean, I understand. Well, I mean, I don't. I completely don't understand because I, I, I don't have nostalgia for that period. Whenever anybody talks about cassettes, the first thing I think of is my buddy listening to Van Halen OU812, and there was always one spot that was stretched. So whenever yeah. that part would come up, it was ingrained in his head. So he just go ah! every time it came up, and that's all i can think of when i think of cassettes yeah i guess i mean my nostalgia is like you know you would you would make mixtapes you you tape trade stuff like that so like there's there's kind of that side of it that i get um i was just a little bit after vinyls so like my first exposure to music was uh, aside from my dad's record collection was cassettes that's what i would buy that's what i go thumb through at the record store uh, and then even getting into CDs, I mean, purely from a band economic standpoint, cassettes and CDs are great. They're relatively low cost. You can make cassettes yourself because you can buy in bulk and it's not hard to, to, to dub stuff. You can get an old two reel machine and just dub back and forth over and over after you get the main one done off your computer. Um, and no, there's a nice... I, I get it. I mean, I, I, I get that. I get that. And 
I, I hate the fact that vinyl is so expensive for everyone. Uh, a friend of mine, I actually was looking into helping a friend of mine press a record a couple of years ago. And I started doing the numbers going, wow, you really can't do a small run. No, I mean, that's, we, we had looked at it right when COVID hit. We're like, well, maybe we can do something with this. And it was the amount of money that you had to spend knowing that you could really only sell a record for maybe 15 or 20 bucks. Like you were never going to break even on that deal. You, like you, you have I, to know at that point, you're going to sell 300. If you yeah. don't know you're in that 300 at, at a reasonable price point is breaking even. Yeah. And, and for no. us, it was, well, forget that we'll do cassettes, but it's also like, I like the compression that you get on a cassette. Right. So I was talking with uh, a friend and they didn't realize when you listen to streaming and MP3 services, the way the press it, it actually over compresses the music. So like, for me, that's always my thing is like, look, you want to hear the music and have the dynamic and have it sound the way it's supposed to at the very least buy a CD because it's not over compressing the music when you're doing this weird audio formatting because it's file compression right and it's right. it's ones and it's all gonna do that and and when i was talking he's like you know i can't unhear this now i'm like yeah it's it's convenient it's nice you can fit a million songs in your pocket but they don't sound quite the way they're supposed to so i, I always tell people, i have cd i agree cd cds sound better well streaming and digital sounds better than nothing yes CDs absolutely. sound better than digital and streaming but I think vinyl sounds better than CDs. That's my personal opinion. You yeah, know, it's, it's when I was listening to Tribute today, I heard Randy Rhodes fills I had never heard before. I yeah. mean, yes, I've had this album for a couple of years, but I might have spun it six or seven times on vinyl since I've gotten it. And so I haven't sat down and really, you know, gone over it. But one of the things that, you know, when I got into CDs originally, I mean, we, we all did. I'm not, and I still buy CDs, not many, but I, I still will buy them. But, you know, I've been getting a lot of things on vinyl that I didn't much care for on CD. Like I got Kiss Unmasked, which, I mean, laugh all you want. That album's terrible. It's fine. It's probably 20 out of 20. And I also got Kiss Animalize. Again, go ahead and laugh. That's probably 19 out of 20. But I, but I bought them because I don't know why. I did. I did. Oh, because I like it. It's a, it's yeah, but I'm, I'm no longer the completest I once was because that costs a lot of money when you're buying vinyl. Yeah. And, but I, so I, I got, I mean, I got on mass for 10 bucks shipped and I got, I got animal, I got, no, I'm sorry. I got animalized for 10 bucks shipped and I got unmasked for 12 bucks in my hand. So, yeah. I mean, that's, I and I mean, it's, I like the, 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 the process of vinyl is great, right? Because it's the one thing I like about CD from cassette is like the artwork's a little bit bigger. I can open it and interact with it more instead of having this weird million fold thing, you know? So like with vinyl, especially a nice vinyl, like it's this huge piece of really great artwork. It's, you know, you, you open it up and you see all the lyrics and the liner notes and it's another piece of really cool artwork underneath that. And it's, it's more of an experience. And I think that's the thing that's great about vinyl. The problem is <clears throat> so many people go for convenience and especially for a band our size, right? So we're, we're still 
very underground in the grand scheme of things some of those things just don't make sense like i definitely want to do it just for the ego stroke side of it and there will be a point <coughs> excuse me where i i say you know what i'm gonna do this I'll, I'll buy the minimum run lose my ass on it but i just want to have one of my albums on vinyl with a really great cover <laughs> I, I get that and let me when you're ready to do that let me know because there's somebody i want to put you in touch with my a friend of mine, his name's Danny. He's in St. Louis here. When you come to town, he will probably open for you, just so you know, because that's just how it goes. They're a very Judas Priest-inspired dad metal uh-huh. band, as he puts it. They're called Torchlight Parade. They're freaking awesome, okay, for the record. And they put out probably the best-sounding LP that I purchased in 2020. I mean, yep. this thing is amazing. There's no sibilance. There's no noise. It's absolutely amazing. So I'll put you in touch with him so he can tell you where they went, just so you get that. Yeah, that's great. But, no, I I, I get it, and I'm hoping at some point that it'll be less knit. More plants are opening, because when I got into this, buying for myself, there were no American plants. Now I know of at least two. I think there's at least five or I think there's five or six, but I know for sure there's one in Tennessee and there's one in Austin. A buddy of yeah, mine is actually getting his record pressed in Austin. It's supposed to be one they're doing in Chicago, maybe, I think I've been hearing about. So, I mean, it, it'll, at some point, it'll come back. It might always be a niche thing, but that's fine, you know, and it's... It will always be a niche thing, and that's, and I, and I like that, but I want it to be a bigger niche just to make it easier for everybody else. Yeah, well, the one thing that I, I think a lot of people don't necessarily consider is, from a band standpoint, you have to pay for a separate master. Mm-hmm. because you can't like the, the mix and master can't be the same for vinyl because vinyl has certain limitations that was and, actually the final blow when i because i didn't know that when i was looking to do this that was the final blow they were like i was told you know you got to pay for another mastering right i'm like yeah no so so i'm looking at so i got to pay for that how much does that cost and then this is how much 100 records is going to cost how much are you kicking in I've lost enough money. Okay, yeah. And so then, I got to pay for all this. And I just started yeah. doing the numbers and it's just like, Hmm, this isn't going to go well. Oh yeah. And, and the average consumer is like, nah, like they don't consider that and they don't necessarily care. And that's fine. Right. And, and that's kind of my gripe because I'm, I'm actually working on, on slowly starting my own studio um, to, to help local bands just track EPs and demos and, and stuff like that. And you mix to the most common device that someone's going to listen to it on. But the most common device is a mono phone that mimics stereo uh, with terrible frequency response, or everyone has beats headphones. It seems like, and those headphones are so bass heavy that, you know, it's, it's, that's the frustration I have from like the production side is how do you cater to knowing that the majority of people are going to hear your music on a first impression in the worst possible format and situation and then hope that they like it just enough that they'll try to listen to it in their car or on their computer with some better speakers or just anywhere else other than an iPhone or some Beats headphones. So you've either got no bass or too much bass. Yeah. So how do you master that? And my my iPhone has too much bass, to be perfectly honest with you. 
I can't, it, it keeps changing the settings on me. So yep. it like, because I don't, I mean, I, I like hip hop and I got a, a fair amount of it, but that is not, you know, 90% of what I listen to. And my phone just keeps, no matter what I set it to, it just keeps inching back to it. So, you know, I'm with the black, when I hear blast beats in my car now, when I'm driving home, my, my rear view window shakes in my nice. Prius, which is funny. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. My favorite, you know, Prius metal story is the day, the last time I saw Metallica, I, I had load on my phone at that time. I yep. switch out playlists. So it's not always the same. And I was, I had fuel by Metallica cranked up so loud in my Prius, just driving around with windows down, giggling to myself at how ridiculous that was. No, that's, yeah, it's, Prius is a surprisingly quick car though. You know, that's actually one of the things when I was driving home, when I was leaving Metallica, uh, I'm like, do you guys see green Prius? And the guy's like, my guy's like, you do much drag racing in that? I'm like, it's faster than you think. Yeah. It, it's, the, I've only had one car faster than that, and that was my Celica. Every, it's been as fast as anything else. Oh, yeah. No, my Once dad, the battery's ready to go, you got it. Not that first five minutes. You got to maybe drive in for five minutes to get warmed up. But once you get to that yep. warmed up point, it's great. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I can't wait car. for it to die so I can buy, my, my, I can buy an electric car. Yep. My next car is going to be a Nissan Leaf. Um, the last person I said that to, the response was, wow, somebody's doing well in life. So let me clarify. If they're not you know, what? They're not an expensive car. They are if you buy them new. There's a trick, though, because everybody's so terrified the battery's going to die on them. They, they lease them. They don't buy them. Nobody buys yep. them. So every day they get, like, these, these leases turned in, and you can get, like, a 20,000-mile or less Nissan Leaf for $10,000. It'll go 200 miles on a charge. Oh, that's not bad at all. No. So as soon as my Prius dies, I'm calling up the Nissan. Get me a lease. And I actually test drove one and it was amazing. Yeah, they're good little cars. And I don't, I mean, I'm not the kind of person that, you know, I, I, I get, I, I don't get value out of my car except for it being useful. And, you know, my wife, like, she's like, when we get older, I'm going to buy a 65 Mustang. I'm going to drive it on the weekends. Why? I don't get it. I don't, but I also don't like decoration. So we have like, I mean, a family here has my stepdad was a mechanic. My brother actually runs a speed shop with some friends down in Atlanta. So, yeah, I mean, I get all that's my cousin. Very- yeah. My cousin does the same stuff. He's like, I got this car in and I'm some diesel something. He's like, I'm trying to do something fun with it. I'm like, turn it into a greasel. He's like, Nick, what the hell is that? It's when you take a diesel engine and you hook it up to where you can run it on French fry grease. He's like, Uh, propane injection on it because it functions like nitrous in a diesel. His response was, We have different ideas of what's fun, I think. Yeah. You didn't want you. Say that again. You (laughs) cut out a little bit. I said he didn't want to run biodiesel, stopping by the Wendy's to get their fryer grease. Well, the thing about a biodiesel is um, if you get a greasel, you have to run it for five minutes on diesel. Then you can run it on the grease. And then you have to run it for five minutes on diesel when you're done. 
which yeah. just seems that just seems like a lot of work. <laughs> and then on top of that, you got to go to McDonald's and buy their grease. I don't know how that works anymore. I, that, that just like seems like an underhanded kind of thing. Your exhaust smells like French fries, though. You know what? I, I you just sold me on it. I mean, if you're driving around and it's smelling like Mac, like Mac, McDonald's French fries when they are cooked properly, which is one out of ten, yeah, they're yeah. amazing. Yeah, and I mean, nine times out of ten, they're unsatisfying and soggy and or, or overcooked and wrong. Like, yeah, especially I mean, if you get them at lunchtime. The only time I like McDonald's fries when it's the bonus fry you found in the bag. See, here's here's the best way to get to to get bad Max fries. Go at lunchtime, because they cook them about seventy five to eighty percent, and that's all. So if it takes four minutes, they're cooking them for like three thirty. So you oh, get a, yeah. they're not quite done. If you get them just right, though, with just the right amount of salt, I mean, there, there's a lot of ratios and and time involved. It must be really hard to make those things because they never get it right. But <laughs> they just don't care. Or they don't care. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to judge a group of people. I've, I've never spoken to a fry cook. I mean, I don't know how he feels. I don't know what his psychic income is. If he looks at somebody enjoying a Max fry and goes, that's my jam. That's what I'm here for. Or if it's just to not starve. I don't know. Yeah, I worked, so I worked at a Burger King and I can tell you, I was just trying to make it to close. So I would have a little money in my pocket and I could go home. Okay, so you didn't like feel like you were building to anything or no? Okay, well, in all fairness, though, Burger King fries suck and yes. Burger King burgers suck. So I don't know. Whopper? I, I don't like them. I do not like their burgers. I, uh, they're burned. Every, I mean, maybe they're not burned at everyone, but everyone I've gone to, they come out burned and I don't like them. They're flame broiled. Some call it burnt. Some call it flame broiled. If it tastes like a cigarette ash, it's burnt. That might have just been your Burger King. I won't speak for all Burger Kings, but uh, look again. Awesome. I have n- I've only been to Burger Kings in St. Louis, but every one in St. Louis has been that way, and I, I don't like them. Nice. I do love the spicy chicken sandwich, though. That is delicious. I spend way too much time on fast food because that's mostly what I eat at work. Yeah. Um, I spent all of last year, as most of us, as many of us did, the lucky of us, I guess I should say, working from home. So uh, I did great in ridiculous things like, because I, where I live in St. Louis, we have about 15 Chinese restaurants in walking distance. Oh, nice. It's not Chinatown, because we don't have a Chinatown anymore, but it, if we did, it'd be here. It's more like Vietnamese town, really. But so what I would do is I would get the same Chinese, Chinese dish from four different places in a row. Just to see which one you like better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So That's, we, we, Chicago, we were in a spot that was kind of like that. We don't have anything like that here though. So like, I get excited when I find out things like uh, the naked chicken chalupa is back. Right. I just had one today. Changed my life. I was like, this is, this is perfect. Well, I, because of all the fast food I've been eating lately, I actually like, I'm coming home and it's like, huh. How, what am I going to do for dinner? Uh, I don't have a plan. Nothing's defrosted. I got to stop at the store. I'm getting sushi. So that, and I'm like, you know what? That's actually good because that's healthy. So that was my healthy dinner. My daughter had uh, pizza rolls, or as we call them in this house, teeny tiny calzones. And nice. my wife had uh, leftover pizza. So 
I kind of, I feel yeah, like I won the lotto on that one, but I also am good the, shopping. Um, I made the mistake of getting gas station sushi once and eating it, and I regretted it for two days. You know, I have never had gas station sushi, and as I sit here, I tell you, I never will. However, I have never been face to face with gas station sushi, so I have not actually had to look at it and defeat it. It's 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 like Russian roulette. You know, it's a bad idea, and you just hope you're not getting the one that's going to put the hole in your head, right? It's just bad. I'm going to tell you, I I the likelihood of me walking away, looking at it and going, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm I'm not gonna." No, I think I'm just gonna. I think I'm just gonna get the two by four of uh, shitty Budweiser and uh, the gas station sushi and sit on the car. Be like, hang on, we gotta let's wait a few minutes before we go here, because I have eaten gas station fried chicken, and I don't mean like like do you know do you have Crunchers up there? No. Okay, Crunchers is like this gas station fried chicken chain, like the the pizza place that Herman Cain had, like Godfather Pizza, it's like that. No, this there was a, a. one a place I used to work at, there was a gas station that had like a restaurant in it. Now, when I say it was a gas station, it wasn't like a gas station with a restaurant. It wasn't that big. It was just a gas station. But in the back, they like cut, cordoned off half of it and you can get like fried chicken. I did it. I, I, I ate it. Uh, I don't remember much after that that day, but I did. <laughs> Nice. Uh, the likelihood of me passing on gas station sushi is, well, I'm going to say it's real. I'm going to, I'll definitely be able to do it. I'm, I'll say that. Yeah. That's like, that's the struggle of being on the road. That's one of the fun things. Like where can you find a safe place to eat? You know, like, <laughs> and you know, one of the things that I do as somebody who covers shows and talks to the bands that when they're in town, I always try to point them to the good place to eat. But I also need to be more sensitive to, uh, life on the road and dollar constraints in terms of food. So I'm like, oh yeah, go to that place right there. It's called uh, the Fountain on Locust. It's delicious. And after you get your uh, $18 burger, you can get an, a $9 vodka milkshake to go with it. That's probably not helpful. Uh, yeah. No. Now that I think back on it. Uh, <laughs> probably more along the lines of if you go down to uh, Urban Chestnut a couple of blocks away, you can get beer and pretzel bites for $5. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we live and die by like the flying J's, you know, whatever restaurant they have attached and a clean bathroom and a shower if you need it. I, I will tell you that all of the gas stations in St. Louis just about have hot dogs. Yep. And none, not a single one has made me sick yet. So. I like a hot dog. I, I, I do too. And I wish more places where you can get hot dogs off a roller had Tabasco ketchup and Tabasco mustard because that stuff is delicious. Yeah, and our struggle is uh, half our band is vegetarian, so. Oh. Yeah, so it's, you know. Sub- combos? Vegetarian or vegan? Vegetarian, yeah, okay. not vegan. I, we had a, a, our former drummer from years ago was vegan, and he was basically like, he would go into a subway, order the sandwich, like not eat the bread because it was made with eggs. You know, and just pick all the stuff out of the sandwich that he wanted to eat. You got to be tired living that way. Um, yeah. More power to you if you can do it. I I cannot. I 
I don't eat mayonnaise or pork to speak of, which that makes it hard enough. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the idea of having to worry about any animal product period in anything, I don't know how you would do that. I, I don't know. I, I definitely don't know how you would do that on the road, trying to not spend $40 a plate for dinner. Yeah, it's, it was, it was tough. I mean, he managed, it's something I could never do. I mean, I've, I mean, I grew up in Indiana, you know, we, our farm, we eat meat. I, I grew up, my, my grandfather was a farmer. So most of my, all of my summers until I was like 12 were spent, not like the entire summers, but significant portions of the summers were spent with us pretending to be farmhands with him. Yep. I mean, then I found out years after he had died, he had actually purchased a prison farm. Really? Yes. Which all of a sudden so much made sense because, you know, you have the road like this, you know, you got the road and here's the house and then you go behind the house and there's this giant wall with a gate that's 30 feet long and 15 feet high. Wow. And then that swings open and there's 15 bunkhouses. Oh, wow. I, I, when I found out it was a prison farm, I'm like, oh. I always wondered why Popeye had 15 bunkhouses. That didn't ever make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. He, every now and again, he'd have like one hand and, you know, it was rural Missouri. So they were doing it like in the 40s where he would like sleep in a bunkhouse, I guess. I don't know. I didn't check that out. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, that giant wall makes sense with that really secure gate and all those extra beds. So, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, apparently he bought a prison farm in the fifties, and that's crazy. Uh, this is also the same man that was breaking horses until he was seventy-four. Wow, he had to stop when he got tossed and spent yeah, two I mean, years in a brace. So different work ethic, different time for sure. Uh, my father-in-law recently passed, and he was seventy-five. So when my grandfather was seventy-five, I remember him wearing a back brace cursing under his breath the horse that threw him. <laughs> so that is the, yeah, that is the different kind of people that those two men were. Uh, but my father-in-law had two patents. He invented the motor in electric dryers. Oh, okay. For someone else, so he didn't get paid for it. But he did. Oh, that, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. There's a lot I can tell you, but I won't say it on, on record. But uh, we are actually, we are about out of time here. So where can, apart from Bandcamp, which we all know about Bandcamp. Well, what is your Bandcamp address? Let's start there. Uh, Deathonfire.bandcamp.com. So you can go there to get any of the streaming stuff. Uh, all of our merch links are up there. Um, encourage everyone to check out the Ghost Songs album because that came out the week before the country shut down. So... That is, a, I will say, that is a very good album. I really like that one. And I thought this one was a little bit different. This one was mellower and actually a bit more desolate in a good way. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I definitely appreciate that. But yeah, it's, you know, people can check that out. Uh, deathonfire.com for our website. And, you know, it's share it with your friends if you like it. And if you don't like it, share it with your friends anyway. <laughs> Well, Tim, thank you very much for being here. We are now going to play uh, the next single, which is Six Foot Box, which 
as we were talking about before, wrestling is awesome. Six foot box, too much time thinking about that. But uh, Tim, thank you very much. You are always welcome back. And well, thank you. Uh, this is the Glacier Musical Podcast. It doesn't play in Peoria. <laughs>